And hello, welcome to the Zero Hour by Safeguard Cyber. I'm George Comedy. I'm Ashley Stone. And we are here on the inaugural episode of this podcast. Um, something that we started as a way to have more substantive conversations with the folks that we interact with at the client level, uh, cybersecurity experts, information security uh, executives, CMOs, just the sorts of people that we want to have a conversation with about the challenges and the opportunities of digital transformation. And, you know, sometimes a blog does it, but when you want to really get into the weeds, you want to understand motivations, hopes, fears, what's preoccupying these people, uh, we just thought this was a better way to do it. We're really excited for our first guest, Eric Martarella. He's our chief revenue officer. He brings a ton of experience and passion to our team. Yes. And really from the front lines of digital transformation, from his days at Sprinkler back when social media was just kind of taking off at the corporate level and then being able to tell that story of how adopting a new technology can fundamentally change business processes. So a lot of things that we take for granted today, um, like customer care on social, I mean, he was there right when that was getting adopted and he has near limitless energy um, and it's really exciting to to watch uh, him uh, get as animated as he does about these topics. Uh, so without further ado, let's get into it with Eric Martarella. And thank you for joining me today. Our guest is our very own chief revenue officer, Eric Martarella. Say hello, Eric. It's great to be with you, George. Thanks for having me, Arn. Hey, yeah. Thanks for coming. Um, okay. So I think we covered off uh, why you joined, but I thought we would revisit some of your interesting um, past work and uh, your experiences with platform technologies to how you got here today. So why don't you take a little bit of time to tell us about your professional journey on your way to joining us here at Safeguard Cyber? Well, I just recently listened to a podcast on how you're not supposed to answer this question. So I will not go back to the beginning of time and bore our global audience. Hello, everybody out there listening. Uh, I appreciate you investing some time. What I hope you'll take away from our conversation today is why I'm here and where we're going. Um, not necessarily as a company, as a brand, selling software, but as a human race, as an opportunity for us to, to come together in a time where there's a lot of divisiveness, certainly a lot of breaches and hacks day to day. But uh, one of the reasons I'm uh, in this conversation with you during the holiday period is because I passionately believe uh, that I'm in an opportunity to help the world change. And uh, I ultimately think a lot of us approach our vocation in this way, but my past 20 years mm -hmm. has spanned five different parts of the network to have included cyber at one time. I also was in the ASP market handling uh, websites during the dot-com boom. Uh, which I think was the original cloud. Maybe there's IT people that would challenge me and say the mainframe was, Eric, but I, uh, I spent a lot of time and had fun with pioneers in that tech field. And then I went into telecom, which certainly is not dead. Uh, if anything, went through a, a technology transformation with voice over IP, supporting brands like Marriott to get out in uh, to their properties and create guest experiences that were enhanced, uh, not just a phone in your room or a TV that had cable, but uh, embracing new technologies that were often disruptive to the lodging industry itself. 
I have had had a lot of great mentors. So I've built some relationships at big brands like AT&T and Cisco, and I've had some mentors point me in the direction of startups, um, both small and large. Uh, the last two assignments that I've had have been with Seed and A-Series companies, and they've ultimately led me to uh, an opportunity to explore the creative uh, and embrace the energy that I have in my body to build and cultivate teams. Moreover, get out there with customers and prospects and, and kind of learn from them, understand how we can adapt and change one of the most rewarding parts of being in a smaller, agile company. But the problems and business outcomes we're unlocking are huge and uh, certainly not uh, the lone subject matter expert in our company, only a facilitator of some very brilliant minds that have come together. So why I'm here beyond the technology and the problems is our two founders, Ottavio Freire, Jim Zaffaletti, uh, both had met at business school in Charlottesville, Virginia, uh, unlocking some potential in the regulated industry and had a customer take them to solve what is uh, now a Gartner strategic trend for 2019 around digital ethics and privacy. Uh, drafting from my social and marketing experience, thought it was a perfect segue to uh, double down in another area. And Well, I'm just getting started, only about 90 days in, I guess, officially, George. So uh, happy to be partnering with marketing <laughs> to uh, help unlock some of these hidden truths. And happy to have you aboard. Um, you mentioned that your mentors had uh, pointed you in the direction of um, early stage or, or startups. Do you have a sense of why that was? Like, were they just giving you career advice or they thought um, those opportunities were more fulfilling? Do you have any insight as to as to why startups in particular? Well, I think it's uh, it certainly is not an answer. I'll say that it was because of me being a unique individual. Uh, I mean, we all have our our vocational path and journey, and it's our responsibility inside of a large or small business to you know be the curator of our own destiny and career. Although it's special when people slow down and they see you have these traits and tenets that would be kerosene on a fire, so to speak. One uh, one quote that I remember vividly when I was leaving Cisco into a smaller startup at the time by the name of Sprinkler uh, and met a phenomenal, um, you know, entrepreneur, Raji Thomas, who was seeing through walls. And I think the walls on the other side of the walls uh, about unlocking some architectural um, workflow with social channels. And, um, you know, where I, where I think you could go with this is many directions. There certainly are some folks, hopefully from my peer group and folks I've learned from that are still at very large companies that, act and behave every day like a seed round startup. Um, so you just have to find those those hidden doors or create them for yourself. Um, but I know in my heart of hearts what I'm supposed to be doing and um, where I, I find myself thrive with productivity. And that's actually out in the field with customers and prospects that uh, I am looking to to partner with. Um, and, I, and I personally don't have a lot of enjoyment doing operational heavy uh, activity. So specifically with Safeguard Cyber, I saw an opportunity to get out there, not be an evangelist per se. Definitely have that in my DNA. And I've been told I could be quite persuasive, um, but I hope to be more of a guardian uh, angel to my customers. And that might sound a little little hokey. And I did graduate from Virginia Tech, <laughs> um, but I will, I will say that's what fuels me day to day to, to wake up early and go to bed late. Um, and I'll also mention, I have a, I have a big family of four kids and a wife who rely and depend on me and 
enabled me to be able to do this every day. So I have uh, many missions and, and prioritize accordingly. Cool. Um, yeah. So I think that that's a, a point of convergence between our careers. Um, I've been in social on and off, uh, since 2011. And I remember, um, that was a time when it was really transforming from something neat that the average, uh, user could experience to a channel, uh, that businesses saw, wait, there's an opportunity here. And so I was also around, um, at an agency when a lot of the big, uh, platforms started forming, you know, the percolates, the spread fast, the sprinklers. And I think we did some, work with sprinkler. And I remember a sprinkler, uh, caught my eye, um, uh, versus some other platforms because we were also in the nascent stages of digital paid media on Facebook and some other platforms. And sprinkler appeared to be the first to integrate both what was then being called organic and paid and just giving you this one size fits all platform to see all things all the time. Um, everything from your community managers to connecting them to, uh, what was then traditionally, uh, PR and paid comms, uh, departments. And so I wanted to see if you saw any parallels in your experience at Sprinkler trying to sell in what was then a new technology, um, to your role here at Safeguard Cyber, uh, where we see, a relatively new uh, risk frontier with social and digital channels? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'll start by saying I've had 283 data points over the last 90 days of candidates uh, that have graciously invested time with us. And I'll just pause to say we're always hiring or always recruiting. You're never done. Uh, I run the revenue operations, which means uh, client success, uh, solution consulting, and uh, the revenue team, including the alliances very much uh, doubling down on the indirect go-to-market as well are all in my purview. And I'd love to hear from you um, just checking out our career site at LinkedIn and one of our partners. But what I'll, I'll answer that question succinctly in that the comprehensive nature of, of what um, solutions I have, you know, and sometimes they're not always us, right? They're partners uh, in a reference architecture that, that span off the page, uh, that's what I enjoy doing. And when I looked at social in 2011, thinking from Cisco to social uh, in an unknown truth to what platform would, you know, the platform play would be at that time, there was not paid, owned and earned in one platform. But that was, of course, what the uh, entrepreneur in this case, Raji, was saying, just wait, look what's coming. And the story that I I, I think is important for us all to reflect on, because I think it's very germane to cybersecurity and some of the compliance solution workflow that we solve for is that if you look at social, which is a real easy channel for everyone to emotionally attach to, you know, it started from a brand perspective in terms of monetization of radio and then print ad and telegraphs. And then you get into media uh, where you started getting into more video and, and then email and then this intense approach to social, where I recall in 2011 getting excited seeing hashtags and that mentions. And I think it was all about likes back then. Ultimately, we needed to find ways to monetize it, prioritize those messages, whether they be in commerce or care. 
Uh, one thing brands, you know, need always uh, or individuals is a sense of scale and protection. In the case of cyber, um, you look at email. So architecturally, social was nothing more than a channel. I got my head around that real quick thinking, OK, this is how smart people uh, on Wall Street and other parts of the world know how to double down and invest in companies um, before I'm hired in an A or seed round fashion. Um, so you got to think about it in those terms and in, in, in the sense of email being just a channel, right, that we had already addressed to oblivion that um, what what we were doing here at Safeguard Cyber and then a partner at Sprinkler at Social Safeguard before we rebrand it was addressing 23 channels at one time simultaneously in a SaaS platform that was single code based. So meaning you were born that way and adding additional channels or new capabilities um, is the is the brilliance in the architecture that a lot of folks have the ability to adapt quite quickly um, at scale in in the 2015 era. SaaS has been uh, a game changer for me. Selling hardware, um, literally, I knew I was selling architectures, and I kind of fooled my brain at times to think I wasn't shipping boxes. But we unlock new workflows, new channels. Every day we meet with a prospect or an existing customer that has taken us there where we proactively shown them where we could go with an uh, example of a channel like WhatsApp. So I said I was going to answer it succinctly, but the nature of the platform being comprehensive has been a trend line through my entire career where I've doubled down because I want to make sure that if I'm spending time and energy, um, as we all do day to day in our vocational life, that this is not a job. This is not work. It's truly a calling. And I have an ability to unlock that opportunity or that outcome for anyone I'm sitting in front of and be very confident in my ability to do that with the team. Yeah. And I think something that I considered coming over um, from agency side was on, on the agency marketing side, it always felt like, sure, there were pitfalls to social, but most of those felt um, operational. You know, someone might misschedule something or you always had to deal with trolls or you had to have an internal policy on how to deal with um, inappropriate comments or things like that. And I, I hadn't considered the security implications of social. And I think as an industry, we saw a lot of people catch up to social, invest in social, um, and then from there, invest in further digital channels, collaboration tools like Slack, um, cloud applications such as Office 365, all of these things that made their lives easier, uh, whether it was streamlining customer service or just letting teams in different time zones uh, talk in a, in a better way where they could share materials. Um, and then I think we have finally seen you know, we've, we've grown up from a time where it was new, it was unknown. A couple of brave brands stepped into the fray early and innovated. And over the last, uh, two years prior to the 2016 presidential election, I remember a case study after case study, this brand is doing this unique thing with Twitter and customer service. This brand is testing new things on Instagram and then we we took this turn, right? We we saw the election and we saw sort of the nefarious side. And then at, only after talking with Jim and Otavio did I understand that the the nefarious side wasn't just like misinformation, but it was that 
social media for the end user is essentially broadcasting your psychology, what you like, what you share. Um, and then that could be used against you. And then the easy answer becomes, well, for the end user, maybe I'll just quit Facebook or maybe I'll just shut it off or I'll stop using it or I'll turn my uh, Instagram page private, what, what have you. But it occurred to me, having worked with brands all these years, they've invested time and energy into these channels years. It took to coordinate, to define what was the director of social media, uh, who did they report to? And it wasn't like they were just going to wind back the clock. Like, you know, in, in truth, after Cambridge Analytica, we even saw that Facebook's ad revenues continued to climb because um, brands can continue to see the value and the ability to reach uh, people on a very efficient one to many scale. And so I think that's really what made it possible for me to think of uh, Safeguard as a, as a useful product and platform was that, okay, you've invested time and energy. So how are you going to protect that investment? Yeah. And that's the heart of it. You don't have an ability to, to kind of do this retroactively. In fact, the, uh, point of view I have with Marriott specifically, I just shared in a blog recently and it took me two weeks to write that. So ill-timed. I know George, thanks for bearing with me. My point of view is probably better 48 hours later, but, but a lot of people were doing that. And I, and I actually wanted to write something a little different and from a different mindset. And I'm not sure how different this will sound, but I will, I will say effectively use social and all the channels in the digital ecosystem wildly and freely. There's so much amazing uh, truth unlocked and engagement that can happen. Now, I know there's a psychosis that uh, certain channels give you, you know, depression, et cetera, but I trust everybody responsibly knows how to deal with the channels and leverages them for whatever purpose you use them. Twitter, for example, is one of the most efficient channels to get an answer and get an escalation as needed from a brand that I have an affinity towards or I'm having a, a momentary hiccup with. Uh, and I know there are a lot of platforms like Sprinkler and Hootsuite, Spreadfast, et cetera, that enable that that to happen. And for me to be profiled for the next time I, I come visit, you know, in reference with a loyalty number, et cetera. I mean, it's just brilliant. And I have figured, you know, traveling as much as I have over the last 10 years, um, I couldn't really live without some of these new ways to communicate. Uh, however, the 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 personal kind of accountability that you have to have in this is where I've wrote. Um, from the point of view of of Marriott being hacked, in fact, five or six hacks, like very notable, Quora, to name a couple more, might even been more egregious. Facebook has had uh, a terrible time, kind of shaking any news day to day, and they are a partner of ours, and I believe we help them in their mission to find fake Facebook sites, and even you know our our gal that partners with us to provide our swag. Uh, if there's a great comment, by the way. Or a great question. I'm going to be giving away three really, really beloved items of swag. And I'm winking. You can't see my expression. But um, she was a small business owner up in Fulton, New York. And her literally her whole business is predicated on her SEO presence on Facebook. And when they were hacked, she was unable to actually get it activated and was locked out and was devastated and called me to see if we could help. Um uh, that's how I will will work and operate with people. I will slow down, but I will say that this is your responsibility. Um, you cannot rely on uh, 50 or 100 or 1,000 channels uh, 10 years from now to responsibly take action on your behalf. So 
Uh, we've developed an app here. It was one of, uh, I think, the cherry on top for why I ended up coming after meeting with some customers, the smart money that's involved with us now in our uh, B round of funding, and of course, the team. And I, I looked at the app with Matt Prentice, our head of product, and said, this is unlocking uh, the truth of what is is the problem. I mean, no one is using social media ma- ma- management platforms really day to day to manage their posts and look at the analytics. At least I don't know too many people that have done that. And I had plenty of team members that were, were adverse, had a serious aversion to even using social uh, once they started seeing the capability and profiling that happens with brands and, and their end users. However, Safeguard Me puts in the palm of your hands the ability to actually manage your digital risk protection and do it solely um, with your your insight, right? And and having a workflow that's predetermined for the specific channels and breaches that happen. Um, and we're just getting started. And, and there is competitors out there. And by the way, we welcome you <laughs> if you're listening to this. I think this isn't just a Safeguard Cyber opportunity to solve. I, I believe unlocking the, uh, the, you know, the ecosystem of smart people will make this, uh, happen and, and make, make the Marriott breaches and sort of ho-hum. And, you know, I love Marriott, by the way, I, I wrote this blog from the heart and that, you know, I had affinity from a young child, um, going to a property with my parents. And then, you know, for some 3,400 nights, I've been protected physically by them. And then, oh, all of a sudden I have a network breach. Well, here's my next statement. And I don't think it's very controversial. You've already been hacked. All of your PII is already on the web, dark web, torrents, wherever it may lie. So what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? And if you're a compliance lead in a company, if you're a CISO, if you're a CIO, if you're on a board of a company, what questions are you asking? And this is not the you know millions of dollars you're pouring into protecting your email account year over year. That's so 10, 20 years ago. I remember doing that with Ironport and I had to sell against Microsoft that was giving away, you know, part of the ELA, the uh, comprehensive suite that you bought, like the free email. This is not that. And that's what fuels me to keep having conversations with folks. But it gets really personal when you're sitting around, you know, the holiday gathering and you pull out an app and you go, hey, how are you protecting your digital identity? And people, you know, like Uncle Joe looks back at you and is like, hey, you taught me how to tweet like five years ago. Like, where are you going with this? And you have this 20 minute, like great conversation. At least he thought it was because he just kept peppering me with, you know, what the opportunity was. Can I get involved? Can I invest? I said, hey, easy, uh, Uncle Joe. Go, we'll, we'll get back to the topic here. But yeah, I think uh, with, with every new technology, right, there's a, a learning curve where you acclimatize to its use and then you recognize its nefarious uh, aspect in the, and because technology cuts both ways, right? It's sort of like sometimes gravity works in your favor and sometimes it doesn't. So um, I think Jim was telling me the other day, you know, nobody in this day and age buys a new computer without antivirus software. Most new machines have it included, right? So why would you interact with these digital channels without a similar layer of protection. And I think we are now coming around to that idea. And then uh, returning to your other idea that we've all previously been hacked, true. Um, I would say it's an idea that we are thinking about exploring um, in the coming weeks, which is for a company, the attack that's coming for your organization is not one 
that has come directly for you, right? Because how many of your employees were part of the Facebook breach? How many of your employees were part of the Marriott breach? How many of your employees were part of the Quora breach, right? So basically your entire workforce has been compromised in some way or another. And um, you're not going to shut off the internet, right? You're not, that's just not a realistic solution. Um, so how do you protect your employees? Right. I don't even know what internet, you know, how you'd shut off the internet. That, that's a, a whole nother podcast for like Mr. Surf or the person that I uh, had created. I remember back to my Digix days. I think I was actually like a degree or two from some of the original pioneers, but never, never could slow down and ask those questions. What I will say is that, look, there's, there's a lot of folks from the Gartner, the smart folks at Deloitte, people we partner with that work in a subscription type relationship to help you change your policies. Right. And you're, but this is a little bit different than that today. Um, you know, you have employees sitting at Marriott's Pete's coffee, Starbucks, you name it. I, I actually pride myself on getting super creative. I'd love to have a relationship with you. We work, <laughs> but I'd rather not pay to vend space because there's so much public space available and it's pretty intoxicating what's going on around you. As long as you're not that person talking too loud uh, or talking about a contract on a, on a train ride, which I've heard many of times. Um, but I will say the, the people that aren't on VPNs today, which there probably aren't many unless you work for the federal government or you're mandated through your role to be on a VPN. They're all on an unsecure network and you can't keep track of them. And whatever McAfee um, virus software you have only goes to one extent of where you are. If you have social or you have collaboration channels that you're interacting over. And so this is a a notion that kind of struck me early, uh, George, when I was talking to you with your marketing mind of our tagline without fear. Right. So what I think of what I know of cyber is that it's very fear based. Um, If I look at companies I've actually represented before or or solutions from Checkpoint, et cetera, like every training manual I had on the go to market or the conversation I may have with a CIO or somebody in a role of compliance or network security was, you know, lead with the fear tactics. (laughs) Scare them. (laughs) If you don't scare them, they won't have you back. Well, I mean, this isn't a head trick. I will say that, as I said, you know, I hope you hear the sincerity in my voice. I don't have to wake up and get into character to go out and support folks. I know I'm in a revenue generating operating role. I wear it on my sleeve without me generating revenue. I don't get to build a beautiful team, which in turn cannot provide resource to the partners that we support. And so the fear-based approach is not an option. So what we talk about when we have 52 channels that we support, we proactively monitor, we look to based on your policies, not ours. We can provide to you a library or an index of information. But when you see these breaches happen, you can take action in real time. And without being able to take action and just surfacing breaches, I'm sorry, but that's just dumb. It's just not what happens with the technology that's available in 2019 and beyond. So if you're doing that, I would encourage you to run through an open assessment with us, no charge, just leave a comment or reach me directly on LinkedIn and I'll bring the team to you to operate the, uh, what is a very lean conversation. Um, and I know it involves trust and all kinds of things before I get there, but let's start with a dialogue and then I will show you with evidence what outcomes are unlocked through our dark process. All right. So let's, let's, uh, 
double back and we'll do two quick questions here. Haiku form. Hmm. We'll do devil and angel. Now that you're on the cybersecurity side of social and digital, what scares you the most? So there's known and unknown, and it's those individual threats, right? So we could look at starting really broad, but the individual nature of what is happening, meaning there is a 15-year-old with a lot of talent and skill and decides to pop on a channel that you know I may have just casually used once or twice, but it is on my phone. And I am uh, I, I'm discovered somewhere other than where I am because I will never tweet. I will never provide to you data of where I am in the world. This was thanks to you, Carlos Dominguez, who taught me this, an executive who traveled the world supporting John Chambers and building out Cisco's sales team that, you know, not leaving those breadcrumbs is a great idea. And that to me is my 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 kingdom, my sanctum. I've had a home invasion happen. Um, and I do kind of walk around and go to sleep with a little bit of paranoia still, um, because I was supposed to be out of town the night that that happened. And ultimately I I don't want people to know where I'm at. And I know with very minimal effort that the individuals are in any channel, even if I've been a a frequent or infrequent visitor, having an opportunity if they try (laughs) to find out where I am. All right. Um, but our motto, as you said, is without fear. So given what we've talked about and what we understand and what you fear, uh, let's visit the converse, which is what keeps you the most excited about these new technologies? The scale, without question. I'll leave it there because I told you earlier or I expressed why the comprehensive nature and that we're, I believe we're all just getting started in this digital risk category that has been you know, carved out by Forrester, et cetera. Um, by the way, if you're an analyst out there, you don't always get it right, but we still love to give you a hug and we still love to prove to you where we sit in that stack. Uh, I love being kind of a contender always and not necessarily in that upper right quadrant. I know folks sometimes choose technology because, you know, never get fired for choosing the top right. But my ultimate summation on that is the, the never stop growing, the ability to keep adding to the portfolio and index of, of solutions is what you know excites me the most. And, and I said, there's the you know, WhatsApp that's come and WeChat recently with our capability, but there's probably 15 more that we don't know of um, that we'll, we'll draft. So it's almost like we're, you're somewhat channel agnostic when you add a new channel and a SaaS platform that's single based code, it's a very easy uh, opportunity to onboard that new channel. But I, I want to, take another 20 seconds and underscore that technology is like 20% of this. This requires a lot of conversation and matrixed organizations coming together for the first time, sometimes at a table. Oh, wait, let's, let's, I'm going to, I'm going to cut you off there. Cause that actually gets to the, the mm. question that we have um, in our remaining time, which is you said your passion is to get out there and talk to prospects, talk to clients, figure out their business needs, their objectives. How can you solve that? How can you help them? So in the 90 days that you have been here, um, why don't we end with what's the biggest need that you've seen? Is that education about these? Is it bridging uh, right. certain responsibilities, offices? What, yeah. what's, the, what's the biggest need you've seen? Yeah, by the way, there's there's a lot. Um, there's 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 only one way I'm going to address this because it's a charge to anyone still hanging in there. 
the technology is is not the easy part. I will not uh, underscore the the effort that goes into this with 25 plus engineers and product leads and really, as I said, smart money continuing to fuel our growth. But what I've heard repeatedly from, and I do count, it's funny, I have in my ledger just preparing for this discussion, the 83 meetings that I've been in over the last 90 days, some of which have been just phone calls and brief conversation, is that I, if I had a world cloud of what has been represented in terms of how we get to implementation quicker and at scale for the business leaders that have uh, partnered with us or existing customers who are challenging us to do more, or in some cases throwing their toys saying this hasn't done what exactly we've wanted it to do for this specific outcome. And I'll slow down and listen and, and hopefully we'll, we'll save any situation and turn it around. I don't pr- promise perfection with anyone. And I think it's a partnership just like my relationship with Marriott and it cuts both ways, but you have to think about this is how do you ready your organization? Okay. So when you implemented email, um, think back to that really nascent channel now that we think about it and what, what went on, what people were sitting at the table the first time you put together that implementation. The same thing is true with security endpoint, um, device perimeter, like who's protecting your perimeter. Well, that's a bigger question, right? That may involve not just any chief information security officer or CIO. Um, I don't think title matters. I I believe that, you know, the person that is in the innovation department has a probably a huge role in this and, and has often proved to be the glue that holds everyone together. But it takes true leadership and it isn't just from your vendors. <laughs> you can't and you shouldn't pay a vendor a big service fee just because um, if you have partners like Deloitte, you know, that that do more than just compliance, that look after you in a subscription way and keep you ahead of the curve. And that is not us. So they are involved in our conversations. But I've had repeatedly folks get very smitten with the technology and then go all right, now how am I going to get 15 people in a room next week so we can get this done? And that's been repeatedly the movie I've seen at Sprinkler with social media management platform. Now I will say it gets easier once the adoption happens, the acceptance, the programs, it becomes programmatic. Um, I've saw it with, with technology, you know, gentrification with voice over IP and landlines. And I absolutely saw it with data centers going from on-prem to cloud. So maybe a much leaner conversation. Many might challenge me and say, Eric, hey, that was not that simple. We had facilities people for the first time, you know, the the data center architects, et cetera. So this fits in that category for me. And it's a very comfortable zone to work in. Cool. Well, it has been a pleasure as always. Uh, Thank you for taking time out of your busy day to sit with us and uh, tell us a little bit more about how you're thinking about this and and where we're going. So we'll, we'll close it off there. Thanks very much for coming in. No, I want to wish everyone a happy new year, 2019. It's uh it's a big one for many reasons. So I look forward to hearing from you and engaging you with you and uh, challenge you to, to leave a comment or uh, try to connect on LinkedIn. My network is yours. Thank you, George. Thank you everyone for listening. Okay, thanks for tuning in to the first episode of The Zero Hour. We hope you hit subscribe. We've got a lot of great guests lined up for the rest of the year. But uh, this week, some other stories that we're paying attention to include uh, the French IT consultancy Capgemini sponsored a very interesting study from IDC 
about the modern CISO. Uh, I thought it was a really fascinating survey about the role of the CISO, both interviewing business executives and CISOs themselves and then comparing and contrasting. I think the key takeaway there um, is that 90% of CISOs and business leaders think that the CISO is involved or influential in key business decisions, but less than 25% of business executives think that the CISO enables digital transformation. So it's an interesting study and it um, also includes ways in which CISOs can improve and reposition themselves to be um, modern leaders uh, in this new charge for digital transformation. And uh, Ashley, who do we have next? I am very excited about our next guest, Elaine Chang, CIO of the CFA Institute. She embodies digital transformation. Yeah, she has done some great things, uh, pretty much rejiggering the entire architecture of that uh, massive global institution um, to great effect. So uh, tune in uh, two weeks from now and we will be talking with Elaine Chang of the CFA Institute. All right. See you later. Bye. 